episode 780. Free agency is officially open and there's been a flurry of activity in less than 24 hours. The Packers have signed a couple players and lost a couple players. We'll break it down with Scott McKenna of the Talkin' Smack blog. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Carvu, and we're discussing free agency. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone today. We have Scott McKenna of the Talk and Smack blog joining us this morning. Scott, how are you today? I'm great, Brian. How are you? Very good. Glad you could join us on the show. And we've got a lot to get to since the start of free agency opened yesterday. Scott, the big news was uh, Nick Perry re-signing with the Green Bay Packers for north of $10 million a season. What was your reaction, including how much the Packers had to pay to retain him? Well, I was really happy that the Packers retained him because, frankly, he was our best defensive player last year. Um, and in some way, in some ways, it just seems like we're playing with monopoly money when you see the money that's being tossed around for uh, for players across the league. So I had assumed that he was going to be getting, you know, maybe north of ten million dollars, and I, I feared it might end up being closer to fifteen million dollars that somebody might just throw at him. Uh, when you look at the amount of cap room that some of the other teams had, and just where Perry uh, had aligned himself as potentially the the top, uh, you know, edge player that wasn't uh, either franchised or tagged in some fashion. So it just, it, it really, I didn't think there was any chance that Perry would be would be back, but was uh, very excited that uh, that Ted ponied up, and it looked like they've structured the contract in a way to where there isn't a ton of damage this year. So there's still going to be opportunity for the Packers to be active this offseason. Yeah, it's clear the Packers made Nick Priority their top priority in free agency. And, you know, as as far as the, the money goes, it looks it there's only like less than $20 million guaranteed, I think 18, which is not too bad. You know, they could eventually get out of the contract down the road and not have to, you know, be burdened by it too much. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a good signing for the Green Bay Packers here uh, with Nick Perry. Scott, what what do you think of the linebacker rotation will look like in 2017? Not just Nick Perry, but where will Clay Matthews line up and who will rotate with them? Well, it's a, it's a long ways away from that. I still think, you know, from being able to, to, to totally be able to make that projection. But because uh, I do think that the Packers are going to add another body or two and um you know in in free agency at the at the linebacker position and uh, i do think that that they'll be active there on draft day as far as adding to the linebacker position but as we are today i just you know perry's going to be on the outside you'd think that that matthews will continue to play a little bit of a rover situation where he's sometimes inside sometimes outside you know i've been very vocal about wishing he spent more time on the inside uh, and then moving to the outside on passing downs, I still think that's an option. They clearly do like Joe Thomas. They brought him back, and there seems to be this wave in Green Bay, Wisconsin, about the Blake and Jake thing that people get all excited about. That you know maybe a little bit more excited than I do, but I do think the Packers are going to be active over the next uh, two months or so. 
with uh, with adding additional linebackers and making it a really competitive position in camp. All right, uh, moving on from Nick Perry, Scott, we know J.C. Treader signed with the Cleveland Browns for an average of more than $5 million a season and $10 million guaranteed. Uh, I'll ask you a few questions here because I think they all kind of go hand in hand. First of all, should the Packers been more aggressive in keeping J.C. Treader? And B, the Packers also re-signed Don Barclay to a very modest contract. Are you comfortable with Don Barclay now being the essentially the backup center? Because, you know, whether or not, you know, we can look at it. Don Barclay had a very poor season and maybe the past two seasons. Um, but the Packers on game days got to keep on their roster a backup center who they're comfortable with with basically starting should anything happen to Corey Lindsley now. Um, so what are your thoughts on basically the, the center position in Green Bay? Who's going and who's staying? I, I wish Treader well. He's a fantastic athlete and, and a terrific offensive lineman who can really play all five positions. Um, at some point, you just have to you know cut your losses in this free agency game, and I don't think that the Packers could have ponied up what the Browns were able to offer. And I really wish Treader well. He, he was a good player. Um, I had a hard time staying healthy and because of that, I don't think that the you know the Packers just could could make any investment that the that the Browns had made for him. You know, I, I'm I've I've been a long Don Barclay fan. I'm a, I'm a West Virginia Mountaineer fan. Um, they're they're in my family's blood. So uh, you know, I, I always I, I've been rooting for Barclay before. I think most Packer fans knew who Barclay was, but the 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 reality is is he just hasn't been the same football player since he had his knee injury, and. Um, I saw it was a one-year, what, $1.3 million deal. I didn't see any terms as to what was guaranteed, if any, and what sort of impact there was on the, uh, you know, on the salary cap if he, if he might not make the roster for whatever reason, even though he you know, does bring versatility that is valued, uh, certainly by McCarthy. I, I just wonder if that was not just an insurance signing. Get him through the door, and uh, you know, they paid him, you know, I think, probably double what anybody else would have paid him. And uh, you get them through the door. Maybe if it's not guaranteed, you bring in some guys later on that are going to be either undrafted free agents. You get, uh, you know, some others that have just been in the mix. And you, you, you wonder whether Barclay is going to, you know, have to compete for a roster spot or if they do have him in ink as the backup, you know, potential guard and uh, the backup potential center. And a guy that if in, a, in, in an absolute worst case scenario, they can swing outside and have him play tackle. But um, I, I – the Barkley thing was curious. I was surprised that they paid him as much as they did. Um, but uh, you know, with that with that said, you know, I, I, I again, I didn't see if anything was guaranteed, and I think that would be a telltale as to what their plans are for him this year. Yeah, I tend to think it would be more in the form of a roster bonus as opposed to a signing bonus uh, for for terms of incentives for him. So he'd get paid a little bit more if he makes the roster. I've been very critical of Don Barclay the past two years, but I will say this about him. He knows how to play all five positions on the offensive line. I do think he's gotten better late toward the end of the year last year. I think he's better as an interior player than as a tackle because he got absolutely blown up at tackle during the preseason, and everybody was like, what's he doing out there? Uh, but he's better if he plays guard or center. 
and the Packers, really, they need somebody out there who's comfortable just in case Corey Lindsley who goes down. They need to have a, a center for the rest of the year. Could that be Don Barclay? Could it be a guy on the practice squad like Lucas Patrick from last season? Uh, otherwise, they may have to draft somebody in this year's NFL draft, but that's an interesting debate and one that flies under the radar. Uh, Scott, uh, the other Packers free agent on the offensive line is TJ Lang. He's reportedly set up visits with Detroit and Seattle. What's your prediction on what happens with TJ Lang? You know, I, I actually went very vocal on Twitter about TJ Lang last night. And uh, I just I just feel like TJ Lang has been one of those guys that is just an anchor of what it means to be a Green Bay Packer. He's been such just a, a terrific leader for this organization and for this team. And he's just been a pillar for not just the offensive line, but just the, the roster and the team as a whole. And he's just been a turn back the clock, old school professional. And I really just have a hard time believing that uh, T.J. Lang is not in, in, in a Packer uniform next year. I just I, 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 I will admit that at first I thought he might be getting, you know, 10 to 11 million dollars. And that might happen over, you know, the first hour or two of free agency. But when that didn't happen and he's going to visits and, uh, you know, I, I, it's in my heart of heart. I, I just I just really believe that T.J. Lang wants to be in Green Bay. I think he loves the camaraderie with Aaron Rodgers. And I think Ted Thompson looks at T.J. Lang as always his boy. And uh, maybe maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm crazy, but Ted loves to keep his own. We all know that. And uh, it may appear as though we've, uh, quote unquote, overpaid for T.J. Lang. But I will when it's all said and done, I think Lang is going to end up giving a little bit of a hometown discount, and he's going to end up staying in Green Bay. Could be wrong, but that's just what my gut is. And, you know, I did some just quick research. What's interesting is, like, when you see these, what, what the, the, the cost of living is and all these other markets, it's like it's unbelievable why somebody wouldn't take a minor pay cut to stay in Green Bay. You'd be making more money, right? And the cost of living is so minimal, and it's just it just seems to me like that should be something that is put into the equation when – these guys are looking at contracts and uh, just the, the level of comfortability of what, you know, what it's like to play football in Green Bay, Wisconsin, I think should carry some weight. But, you know, uh, that's just me and, and one man's opinion. But I can't I don't think it can be overlooked that just like you and I being born in, as Midwest folk, TJ is wired that same way. And I think ultimately that'll that'll play a play a role in this thing. And I'll be surprised if he's not back in Green Bay. I tend to think the same way because I looked at Treader and Lang as the two two free agents on the Packers' offensive line, and just when I looked at them both, it made sense to me that the Packers would prioritize Lang because all of a sudden they have an opening if Lang were to leave at right guard. And to me, you don't sign J.C. I'm just not sure J.C. Treader would be a starting guard in the NFL. He doesn't seem to have that girth to be able to handle the guard position, which I know is kind of, you know, maybe, uh, you know, grasping when you're talking about him being an NFL center. But I think that center is a little bit different from guard. Um, and so I, I, I think that's why Lang was a priority for the Packers. Maybe his injury keeps the asking price down a little bit in terms of other teams being a little leery of, of giving them all that money. But uh, this will be one of the more interesting developments 
of uh, of the free agency season for the Packers here. Uh, Scott, moving on, Micah Hyde officially signed with the Buffalo Bills for an average of roughly $6 million per season. Do you think the Packers made the right decision in letting him walk away? You know, I love Micah Hyde. He has been an absolute artisan, a true professional for the Packers. And, uh, I mean, he, anything that you they've ever needed for him or anything they've ever asked of him, he's done it, and he's done it very, very, very well. I look at uh, I look at Micah Hyde, and I think that it was probably in his best interest to go find a defensive system that might utilize his skills and his traits differently. And I think it was maybe in the Packers' best interest as well. Packers need to get faster in, in the secondary, and it, losing Hyde it, it hurts. It really, it really, really, really does hurt. He, he offered so many different uh, different traits and, and talents that this team really needs. But at some point. We need to make our investments in the secondary to add speed, and um, um, especially on the perimeter. There, that's just that's, at some point. I really hope that there is an addition uh, or two this off season at uh, at the perimeter cornerback position. Um, and uh, you know, if it had to come at the expense of Hyde, uh, so be it. They paid. He got paid more than I than I think the Packers could afford to give him. Um, it's always sad when you read that the Packers didn't make an offer. I wish that something would have happened there, even if it was under market value, just to sort of, uh, you know, uh, tease the palate, so to speak. But, um, uh, you know, I, I wish Hyde very, very, very well. Uh, he's the type of guy that you could someday potentially see back in Green Bay. But uh, I, I really think he could flourish in a new system that'll, that allows him to be a little bit of a rover, and uh, and to be truly hidden and maybe a, a little bit of a focal point in the secondary is coming on uh, on blitzes and attacking the line of scrimmage rather than being, you know, a, a cover corner that he, you know, was oftentimes with us. Yeah, uh, the Packers should be getting a roughly fifth round draft pick in compensation for his losses, assuming they don't sign more players and then they lose. So you can look at it through that way and you can also look at it through this prism as well I think when they let Micah Hyde go is yes uh the the young cornerbacks on the roster like Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins were much maligned this past season but I think the Packers may think okay these guys failed on the perimeter they're probably better on the inside they're faster than Micah Hyde was on the inside and where the Packers priority this offseason is going to be is on the perimeter. They may go and sign a veteran cornerback as a perimeter cornerback this offseason. They may draft a perimeter cornerback this offseason. So they've got the replacements already on the roster to play the slot and that's that's Rollins and and Randall. And, you know, it's a little bit of a risk, but I I mean, what do you, you're not going to give up on those guys already. Um so it is what it is, I suppose. Agreed. <laughs> All right. We got lots of players to get through, so we'll just move on here. Uh, Jared Cook, uh, reportedly, just, just minutes before the show here, from Adam Schefter of ESPN, and if Adam Schefter's reporting it, it's probably true. He says, talks have broken off between the Packers and uh, and Cook. Um, uh, other reports from, I know the Green Bay Press-Gazette has reported, uh, the Lions, the Bears, the Bills are all interested in Jared Cook. Um, Scott, do you think the Packers will have to pay more than anticipated to keep him? 
I absolutely do. I mean, when you see this Dion Sims deal yesterday, three million eight eight or eighteen million over three years or whatever it was, uh, over six million dollars a year. I'm sure the Packers have already offered that, and uh, more than that, I should say. And the fact that Cook is not um, accepting that, then it, it makes me wonder if he was just, uh, you know, speaking without meaning last December when he was talking about how much he really enjoyed playing in Green Bay and how he really hoped he would stay in Green Bay and how he was having fun playing football for the first time and in a long time. And then, the, the, you know, the, the, the letter that he wrote, and I forget where that was published, was it maybe SI, uh, where he just went on and on and was super articulate and talking about what a great experience he was having in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And you just have to wonder, like, really what is important to him and if it's him making his decision or his agent making the decision here. But uh, uh, it's too bad that contra- the contract has, uh, has dragged out. I do think that Cook was maybe the number one priority followed by Perry. They got Perry done. I think that they probably thought that they could get Cook done without an issue. And uh, wouldn't have surprised me if maybe Ted, Ted tried to get it nailed down for $5 million or so before, um, you know, all this money started rolling into tight ends. And Cook, uh, you know, didn't, uh, didn't bite. And now they're going to get themselves in a bidding war. And I'm not sure the Packers are going to be able to win this one. And I think that most people thought that, Cook was a lock to come back, and now, frankly, I'm I'm a bit concerned by it because people have money to spend, and uh, Cook at times showed that he could be a real great weapon last year. Yeah, this could be a little bit of posturing. I, I shared these sentiments on on Twitter myself, and I said I I think the Packers probably offered Cook a fair contract. And, and now he's just got to decide, does he want a fair contract or does he want more and risk not playing with Aaron Rodgers, basically? Um, because I think there's certainly worth to that. I mean, if he's being offered $5 million by the Packers and $6 million by the Bears, is that worth it, as you said, to go, go live in Chicago for a higher cost of living and, and play with a worse quarterback? You would think he'd almost, you know, should take the $1 million less per season. And maybe the Packers can pony up a little bit more. Uh, we're in the day and age where, you know, as long as the salary cap keep, keeps going up, we shouldn't be surprised at the size of the contracts these players keep signing. It's it's only going to continue that way when it when it jumps up by $10 million a season, as it has now for like four straight years. Um but we we got more players here, Scott. Eddie Lacy reportedly visiting the Vikings and the Seahawks. That's coming directly from his agent, as shared on social media. What's your prediction on Lacy? You know, I've uh, a, a part of me wishes that the Packers would move on from Lacy and and bring in one of these like a, a Jamal Charles or an Adrian Peterson uh, type back, and to have them be here on a two or a three year contract at. Uh, for, for for lighter money than what uh, you might have been able to expect to get somebody like that signed for. Uh, I think Eddie Lacy is looking for anyone that will offer him a multi-year deal. Um, sure. um, or if he's going to be looking for a one-year deal, it's going to be for big guarantees. And um, I, I, uh, I just don't think Eddie Lacy... Uh, is is uh, is is at this stage? I love Eddie Lacy. He's been a, a, a terrific. Uh, he was a terrific Packer his first two years here, 
But you know, I, I wonder if Lacey is um, is worth more than a, a one year, one and a half million dollar contract to go and earn something similar to what you did with Cook last year. And uh, and and I don't know if Lacey is is appetized by that thought. So um, it's a it's an interesting uh, um, uh, dilemma, and it's a it's a tough position. I personally don't want to surround myself with people that football isn't important to. And I think that that's a question for Lacey right now. I think it's a, and if you can get a guy like a Peterson um, who, you know, hasn't drawn a ton of attention um, for, you know, um, just a little bit more money and uh, Peterson can be a guy that is going to be able to give you, he doesn't, we don't need a guy that's going to give us 25 carries a game. But if he can give 10 to 12 carries a game, it isn't the focal point, but uh, is a threat every single time he touches the football to take it to the house. That, to me, is a logical signing. And um, um, uh, it would be a it would be an interesting thing to, to see if Ted would ever, you know, kick the tire on that or not. But uh, maybe I'm dreaming with that statement. But, um, you know, I, I would be shocked at this stage. If, if Lacey comes back, I'd be shocked if it's more than a one year deal. And uh, I guess I'm kind of 50-50 as to whether he'd be back, leaning, or whether he's going to be back, leaning no at this stage. Yeah, to, to kind of uh, uh, compliment what you said on whether he loves the game or not, the term Packer people is is thrown out quite a bit because it's a, it's a term Mike McCarthy used in his press conference when he was hired as coach of the Packers. I think people think, think Packer people and they think, Oh, uh, choir boy and, and good in the community and all those things. No, what Packer people means is, do you love football? You know, if you, if you're going to come to green Bay where there's not this huge entertainment and metropolitan area, pardon me, metropolitan area, you better love football so much that it is, you know, you eat, breathe, then sleep it. And I'm not sure Eddie Lacy does that. But the Packers, they, they were so desperate for a, for a running back the year they drafted them. Uh, you know, they, they kind of made, uh, you know, they, they allowed that to slide a little bit and, and took Eddie Lacy's upside. Uh, and now they have to decide whether they'll keep them or not. But we've got so many guys to get to here. Scott, what do you think the, will you think the Packers will make a run at Devon House? I, I I think I, I you know I put this out there at some point roughly a month ago or so that I thought Devon House was going to get cut by the Jaguars and the Packers were going to pick him up and it's just uh, it seemed like it was one of those things that was just destined to happen but what's Devon House worth you know he's got what is it six career interceptions four of them came in his first year in Jacksonville. Um, he's not a proven playmaker this defense needs people they're going to force turnovers. House isn't that guy. He is. He isn't. What he's been in the league six years, and five of the six years he's got to combine two interceptions. And I, you know, I, I, I what's he? I, I wouldn't. I'm not going to hate on him coming in. I, I'm a fan of Devon House to a degree, but um, you know, if, if he's is he getting more than two or three million dollars a year? I, I don't know that I would give that to him. And uh, I mean, you, we got to remember he's getting cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars for a reason. So. It's uh, in, and it's not like a bunch of other teams are, are, are jumping at him from what it reads. Right. So competition seems lighter there for him. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if he's in Green Bay. He knows the system. He's getting his familiarity there. 
Um, but is he going to come in here and and make us a game changing and make game changing plays and to change uh, you know alter our defense? He's not that player. So um, you know it's it's with uh, cautious optimism that you you get excited for it. But uh, yes, I do think the Packers will make a, a push towards uh, towards the divine house. Yeah, this one just makes sense because he was released. He doesn't count in that compensatory draft pick equation. Uh, I, I think the Packers will make a run at Devon House at some point. He's probably not the priority right now as they looking at guys at Lang and Cook instead. But after they get done, uh, they could sign a guy like Devon House. And, and yeah, he may not be the, the major piece of the puzzle, but after their struggles last year, I don't think it can hurt to bring him back. And maybe he kind of recaptures the magic that he had, not in 2016 in Jacksonville, but 2015 he didn't play too bad. I mean, he had career highs and passes defensed and interceptions and all those things. Um, and the Packers could use that kind of player. Um, Scott, the Packers officially declined to tender linebacker J. Roan Elliott, uh, which would have cost nearly $1.8 million. Did they make the correct decision? Do you think they still bring him back but at a lesser dollar amount? I do think that he'll be brought back at a lesser dollar amount, and I do think they made the right decision. J. Rowan Elliott is not worth $1.8 million at this stage, right? His, uh, he's uh, shown glimpses at occasion during the regular season of being able to make plays. He had a, a couple of preseasons in which he looked phenomenal, uh, never really translated over to the regular season as an elite pass rusher, a guy that could even flash as a pass rusher there. So at this stage, I do think that uh, – uh, Elliot is back. I don't, you know, obviously I would not have tendered him for that money. Uh, does bring special teams value, um, seems to fit the locker room and all that good stuff. But uh, I, uh, I, I was not disappointed with the, the fact that they did not offer the tender. Yeah, I think they'll tender him. I think they'll re-sign J- Jordan Tripp for, you know, another minimal contract. Uh, interesting that they declined to give the exclusive rights tender to John Crockett. It appears as if he's not coming back this season, uh, or at least not right away. Um, uh, Scott, a- any thoughts before we let you go on, on the combine or who you think might be options for the Packers in the first round is kind of some parting thoughts here? Yeah, you know, I, I've, I'm really high on uh, Fabian Moreau from uh, UCLA. Uh, fits that he's got that size to be able to play on the outside of the perimeter and really showed faster than I I knew he'd run, but he showed faster than I thought he'd run. And that, that to me, and obviously the Packers have a history of running, of, uh, of drafting UCLA players. So um, it, it, uh, that, that to me was very exciting. And it was also very exciting to see what Watt, Watt did in his performance. And those are two guys that sort of fit the Packers' brethren of people, of players that they would draft. And, uh, um, but then additionally, they, they really showed that they were top-notch athletes and could bring a, um, that, uh, a heightened athleticism to the, to the defense uh, of, uh, of the Packers, that sh- which really needs to be a focus. We need speed. We need athleticism on defense. And, you know, I think we've overlooked some of that in the past. So I really hope that that's going to be an emphasis. I think Hassan Reddick really showed that he's going to be able to uh, – he looks like he's going to be able to transition to the, to the inside linebacker position and – if he's around, I know that you and I had a quick exchange on Twitter that, uh, you know, he'd, he'd be a, he'd be a guy that 
would have to strongly be considered at the at the 29th pick. So, you know, those are a couple of names that I guess I'm looking at. Moreau might not be a first rounder, might be a second rounder, but he's somebody that certainly has my eye and uh, he can just turn and run with the best of them. And he has the speed to uh, to play the edge. So I uh, love his physicality and is somebody that I would be excited to have in green and gold. Yeah, those are all very good names. I agree very much that the Packers could consider all of them. I, I, I don't, if Hassan Reddick is there, I don't know if the Packers can pass him up. I don't know if he'll get to the Packers. I tend to think now, after what he did at the Senior Bowl, after what he did at the Combine, he's no longer going to reach the 29th pick. But if he did, uh, I think the Packers would have a hard time passing him up. But I think T.J. Watt could be a very good second option if he's not around. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Scott? Yeah, hey, Brian. Yeah, Brian, one last thought okay. before I let you go. Ted Thompson's going to get challenged here because he's going to have an option to be able to do things differently than he's ever done it before. And I really think that there's going to be some guys that are veterans that are going to be able to be had on uh, on short-term contracts at a reasonable price. And you look at the Elvis Dumervilles and the Mario Williams, and I still think that Julius Peppers could be back in Green Bay as well. Uh, you know, the Connor Barwins of the world that have all been released. And uh, when you're released and all of a sudden you, you don't, fall into that compensatory equation. I'm going to be very curious to see if Ted Thompson um, steps outside of his normal bag of tricks and, uh, and does some things a little differently as uh, as free agency goes along. And especially if he ends up uh, not being able to sign a cook or a, or a Lang um, uh, in, the, in a Lacey, because at some point you can only have so many holes on this, uh, on this roster. And I think that you might be able to get them, uh, you might be able to get them plugged with veterans at a very reasonable cost and short-term deals. But uh, going to be curious to see if Thompson makes any of those deals this year before this uh, free agency is over. It'll be fun to watch. Scott, we'll talk draft more heavily next month, okay? Cheers, man. Take care. Go Scott McKenna of the Talking Smack blog joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us. And uh, Scott is BuzzBoy3 on Twitter, at BuzzBoy3, if you want to give him a follow. We've pretty much covered all the Packers news there is to cover, so we'll kind of forego that. And uh, uh, it it was a long, half-hour-long interview today with Scott, uh, longer than most of our interviews. So uh, I'll just have this if if you're interested in our usual segments the day ahead in the world of the Green Bay Packers in addition to the free agency flurry that'll continue over the weekend and that's where all the attention's going to be Uh, a minor note there's also another NFL regional combine this Saturday this one takes place at the Saints training facility in New Orleans so you know the pro days the 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 combines that they continue uh in in the limelight of uh free agency here which will take precedence over the next few days we'll we'll continue to see what happens over the weekend we'll talk about any updates any signings any more players leaving green bay we'll we'll get to it on monday on the next episode uh railbird central airs every monday wednesday friday at 8 30 a.m central time the live edition of the show podcasted and on demand later in the day uh, so thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, basically, I'll leave you with this today. Um, our um, 
our call to action here. Today's show is brought to you by Beer Rock, Madison's upcoming craft beer bar, looking to open in the coming months, of which I am the prospective owner. Uh, we have created a crowdfunding campaign uh, to get some startup capital for this. We hope it's a Packers bar that you come and you can come and watch games and would definitely love if you considered uh, giving us, uh, uh, making a contribution for which you will be rewarded. We have several reward levels. Please check it out at gofundme.com slash beerock, gofundme.com slash beerock. We created this uh, video um, uh, in this clip uh, to accompany our, our campaign. Please give it a listen, and uh, yeah. Hey everyone, this is Brian Caravu, and hopefully sometime soon you'll know me as the owner of Beer Rock, a craft beer bar in Madison, Wisconsin. You might be asking, what the heck is a Beer Rock? Well, it's the family recipe of my wife Amanda, and it's going to be the signature item on our menu. In its simplest terms, a Beer Rock is similar to a pasty, except better. It's a savory pastry filled with beef, sauerkraut, onion, cheese, and seasoning. At least that's the traditional version. We also plan on having other various interpretations. How does a Korean birok with pork and kimchi sound? To make this a reality, however, we need your help. We're looking to get a small business loan to do all sorts of things like lease a property and buy all the equipment we need. That's why we set up a GoFundMe campaign. Your donation will go towards the equity needed to secure that loan. Once that's done, the dominoes will start falling. Best of all, we've created several reward levels to thank you for your generosity. They range from branded t-shirts to free food and drink on premise. So please take the time to explore and thank you for your consideration. We hope you become one of the founding members of B-Rock and Bottoms Up. Once again, folks, that's GoFundMe.com slash BeerRock. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Uh, I leave you today with a song called Let's Go Outside by The String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.